Welcome to KPMG's Asset Retirement Obligations podcast series. My name is Bailey Church, partner leading KPMG's Public Sector Accounting Advisory Services. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Catherine Marangu, who is the project lead in the Financial Accounting and Policy Review team of the Government of Yukon's Office of the Controller. Welcome, Catherine. Uh, thank you, Bailey. Catherine, you're coming to us a, a, a far way away from the westernmost point in Canada. Uh, yes, the north. The northwest, I guess. The, the, yes, yes. The, I won't even ask you if you have snow because I'm sure that gets a little old. Uh, yes, we have lots of snow. We've had really good weather, but uh, we are getting to our winter weather right now, minus and 15. I was going to say, good, good weather for you would sound like it might be minus 20 or, 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 or warmer. Yes. <laughs> now, Catherine, one fun fact that I found out as I was researching for our discussion today, uh, beyond all the amazing parts about Yukon having Canada's highest peak, the largest ice fields, the smallest desert, uh, all kinds of fascinating, fascinating geographic elements, but you are also the home to the largest, I should say, one of the largest signed collections in the world at Signpost Forest. Oh, I didn't know that. Apparently, more than 100,000 signs are there from all over the world. Okay. So add this to your weekend uh, destinations, Watson's <laughs> Lake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will add that to my destinations. I thought it was in Kino City, but now I know. <laughs> you never know what you're going to learn on this podcast series. <laughs> so, Catherine, let's uh, let's dive right in. I am eager to chat about the scope of the Government of Yukon's uh, Asset Retirement Obligations Implementation initiative. I know it's been quite far-reaching. Could you give us an idea of the various entities that you have included in this project? Uh, sure. So uh, for the project, we have three entities that are fully consolidated, and that's um, Yukon Hospital Corporation, uh, Yukon Housing Corporation, and Yukon University. So these are the three entities, um, including them, uh, the general government or the central government department that we worked together in this project. The four of us follow the public sector accounting standard, and those two that we left out are under IFRS. So everybody else except two. And that's quite the diverse group, just looking at the nature of the different entities. And, and, and of course, through your role, Catherine, you were also project managing the initiative for the government proper, the various departments and uh, of of the government, quite a, a far reach that that you had to consider. Yes, I mean the Yukon government itself has about fourteen departments and directorates, so um, and about I would say ten of those departments have a number of assets or lots of assets. So yes, it was it was a big group to work with as you said, with far-reaching uh, implications and involvement of many stakeholders. So quite an exciting project, I must say. Yes, I'm happy yeah. to hear you say exciting. Not, not many would use those words. <laughs> well, you made Where it did... fun for us. 
<laughs> That's important. That fun has to be high on the agenda. Yes. We're we're gonna come to stakeholders here shortly, Catherine. But I I, I want to pause and reflect on on your role where you were very much focused from that Yukon government central perspective through the Office of the Controller General. I'm curious how you you balance that central government view as well as the specific implementation priorities of the differing entities recognizing the hospital, the university, the housing corp, they they've all got their own priorities to be considered. I think what played a favor in us was, I mean, my boss, I guess, the controller. At the onset of the project, I think it was made considered that we have a common approach among the four entities that were going to be fully consolidated. So that kind of set the tone in terms of just expectation will be working together and um, kind of going out and sourcing a professional firm, in this case KPMG, to support that work and collectively using the same uh, firm for, for our work. And then once that was in place, I mean, the first pieces of work that was done, I guess, is to put in, to put together a steering committee, which had leads from all the entities. And that really made a difference to make sure I don't lose sight, I guess, of of the other entities and pay too much attention to the central government, which is still the largest. And then working groups that had representation from our departments, uh, sub-working groups to look at very specific pieces once the scoping was done. So I think the approach of having these layers, I guess, of committees and of specialists, I guess, or subject matter experts um, kind of helped us to balance our needs from the central government and also making sure the entities had a voice. I think that was our key approach. It strikes me as though it, it was a very well-balanced plan of attack. And in, in some respects, you you put effort into having uh, common elements like policy, project plan, coordination, identification of, of, of key assets and scope. That was all very effectively coordinated, Catherine, I think through your office. And yet you allowed some leeway there to allow differences, such as the Housing Corp, which has a fundamentally different type of physical structures in the buildings than core government does. So necessarily the measurement approach may differ, but you had all the key parameters well-defined in a consistent manner. And that's, that's no small task. Uh, yes, and I mean, I won't take all the credit. I'll have to credit my controller <laughs> for, for, for that piece. Um, but I think, I mean, we are small enough. I mean, the Yukon is not as big as, let's say, Ontario or another very big government that has so many entities uh, whose diversity, even in terms of their asset portfolio, would be quite, quite big. Um, I mean, our diversity here was in the kinds of buildings you have or the kinds of assets that were distributed among all the entities. But I also think we also enjoyed that we had already existing wonderful working relationships with these entities. So 
uh, that made it easier for us to, to navigate that piece of making sure everybody's voice was heard. And also at the end of the day, really our management board or the oversight for for the financials is, is through the central government. So that also was a favor for us. Um, and as you mentioned, in terms of policy, I mean, central government has its own policy framework, but their corporations, their respective boards approve their policies. But we worked together to make sure we we have an approach that's not contradictory or in competition that would require too much effort during our reporting work and consolidation processes. It really laid out the, the common fundamentals. Everybody had to be on the same page on while still allowing for some differences based on unique factors and, and unique characteristics. I'm curious now, Catherine, on how you tackled the scoping of assets and that process followed for the scoping and and how you went about getting the input of the various stakeholders of which I, I know you had a, a number in different groups who were involved. I think, I mean, the scoping was, I would say the biggest piece. I mean, the policy portion was a little, I guess, long, but the scoping was key just because if you don't have everything in scope, then your estimates will not be as accurate as possible. Uh, but I think where we started with our scoping, well, I think even long before scoping was really established, where our sources of legal obligations. And that first step took a lot of work in terms of reviewing um, applicable laws, legislation, contracts, permits, and everything in between there. So we could be able to provide guidance of what is in scope. And then once that exercise was complete, uh, we, we reviewed our tangible capital assets listing uh, together with the departments and asking the question, is this ARO in or ARO out? Um, of course, um, there's lots of grace, uh, but the process was iterative and we refine how we go back, we go forward. And then once that process was kind of sorted through the scope of the project in terms of what was in was shared with everybody who was in the working group, was shared with interdepartmental subject matter experts who are, kind of, are part of the group to provide more refinement. And then I remember quite early on, KPMG did almost a three-hour session with us in terms of querying what's in scope, have you thought of this? And that was with the, with a big group so that uh, we made sure we, we left no stone unturned uh, in terms of scoping. And again, conversations with subject matter experts led us to, I guess, obtain the information we needed, making sure every department, every entity's voice was heard. Uh, in terms of what they thought should be in or correcting what they thought should be out. So I think what really was helpful in this process is those open conversations, lots of dialogue with department leads, lots of dialogue with our highways and public works team that is in charge of the property um, management piece, so realty, 
capital development, subject matter experts like in landfills. So it was, I can only say after all this, I really know lots of people in government. <laughs> you, you, you'll be on lots of Christmas card lists. <laughs> I, I, have, I have gotten to places I didn't even know I exist. So yes, it was, it was, it was quite, uh, quite a journey. And and a, a, a journey well traveled. I, I think you did such a good job of bringing all those different stakeholders to the table and having very well informed conversations. And what I I think was particularly key to informing the, some of those early workshops of stakeholders was the homework on going through the asset listings, looking at the legislation. So the team wasn't going in there cold, there was already a pretty good idea on key areas of impact. And, and those discussions then helped to really refine that down to get more precise, more detailed, more involved. And then that in turn generated more areas of homework that uh, that collectively we all had to do on identification of, of certain assets. Yes, the homework played a big role, yes. There, there, there was, there was lots of homework. There was lots of homework. The university was in session. It felt like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm curious to uh, now turn the page from scoping into what I know a number of entities are are focused on now, regarding the measurement of retirement obligations and. I'd like to understand the approach that the government followed in terms of that initial upfront measurement of retirement obligations and the challenges that you came across in in doing so. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, the standard gave us, I mean, three approaches for for I guess initial measurement and and reporting, I guess either you go retroactive, you go modified retroactive, or you go prospective. I mean, for our case, our recommended approach was modified retroactive, which I mean would involve discounting, but at least would be using current costs for the estimate of the liability and also being able to adjust a fair chunk of that into our opening surplus as opposed to a prospective approach. So in the initial measurements, I mean, there was a lot of work in terms of the costing, what will go in and making sure that once you have your asset types, making sure you have your subject matter experts support the number they gave. Uh, if, for instance, it was building, how much will it cost to abate as does uh, building materials? Making sure this number was credible and auditable and can be can be defended, I guess. I won't say in a court of law, but uh, to our auditor uh, to make sure those numbers are, are defensible. And then, so costing was big, making sure we have the right cost for the various asset groups that ended up in scope, uh, refining those numbers to make sure we are having just those pieces of the cost that relate to legal obligations. Um, at times there was confusion, I need to include everything to demolish a building, for instance, and we had to clarify, oh no, we only need the cost to remove the hazardous building material. That's the legal obligation piece. So again, once we've, we rested on the approach of modified retroactive, then it was getting through the costing 
and then working through quite a bit of modeling work uh, that we're lucky to have lots of support on and then getting to some estimates at the end. And in terms of challenges, I think one thing that comes to mind is, I mean, for governments, tangible capital asset PS3150 only came into effect for fiscal years beginning April 1st, 204. And when we think about the assets you're looking at today in terms of VRO, many are from the 1940s, the 50s, some are from 1900s. So just the challenge in terms of the detail that was kept um, uh, came to bear during this process. We also found ourselves having many contributed assets. I mean, Yukon has gone through devolution a number of times with the last one around 203, 204. So many of these assets we are talking about came to us from the federal government and there may not have been that much details in terms of date of construction versus date of acquisition or when we gain custody and control of those assets. And then of course, challenges around competing priorities. Um, you know, finance is full of cyclical things. There's, there's budgets, there's public accounts, and then there's ARO. So uh, that gave us some challenge as well. It's always a constant process and it goes from one end of extreme to the other very, very quickly. It is, I'm happy you mentioned the data integrity piece, uh, Catherine, because I think that is, is so critical to having defensible estimates. And you, you raised a very interesting point around the, the government of Yukon's history and how a lot of these assets came to be with you through the devolution process and how that's all transpired. And, and that, of course, layers on a, a very different level of challenge and makes it, I think, even more important that the stakeholders be engaged and, and actively involved to bring that history that might not be reflected in the records of the government. Yes. And, uh, and I mean, we, we are like, we have quite uh, quite an, our property management division has, has, has done lots of work on these buildings. They do lots of assessments on the buildings. So I think all I can say is if you did, most of what we found was if you didn't need it, you didn't collect it. <laughs> so, uh, and that's not just in terms of, of asset retirement of TCs or it's anything, if it wasn't required, most likely we didn't pay attention to it or many others wouldn't pay attention to it. So we've learned uh, going forward, just the level of detail would need. And also, like we said, with PS, 3150 only coming into effect in 204. Many of those assets had been expensed. So it's digging back quite a bit. Uh, a lot of dig back was done then. And we've had a few other folks having to go back quite a long ways back to find find dates and, and a few other things for us uh, in the last two years. But I think, I mean, that's not a challenge just for Yukon government. It's a challenge for most of the governments because they would have been in the same spot that's as us. That's it. You're, you're yeah. not alone in, in, in that regard at all. And I, I, I've often likened ARO implementation to, uh, to solving a good murder mystery. And I'm not sure, Catherine, if you're a, a fan of the writer Agatha Christie. I, I, I always enjoyed Agatha Christie's murder mysteries. It often felt like uh, resolving some of those murder mysteries, working through some of these uh, intricate details of, of, uh, of the, the asset records all the way back in, uh, in time. 
Catherine, let's close with one last question. Uh, you've and your team have uh, accomplished so much over the last several months with ARO implementation. You're almost there at the uh, at, at the finish line. Can you share any tips for success for others working through their ARO implementation? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, one of them would be make sure you have the right team members. Make sure you have your subject matter experts. Make sure you have your finance teams in from the beginning. Make sure you have buy-in from your leads. That might be, in our case, making sure our deputy minister is informed and other deputy ministers are informed. For municipalities, it might be them elected officials. And that actually also applied to us, making sure we have our minister support through the project and awareness, I guess, in this case. And higher expert help. I mean, we we benefited from having KPMG with us because you uh, we had a cross-section of understanding of what else is happening uh, across the, the entire, I guess, of Canada. Uh, we also benefited from other inter- I would say jurisdictional tables that we sit in, uh, the controller sits on a controller's team, and they were able to have lots of conversations and share lots of information between the jurisdictions on that table in terms of approaches, in terms of challenges. So don't do it alone in terms of, don't silo yourself. There's a lot of resources out there in terms of people, in terms of experts that can guide any team through the process. And then internally, it's. Um, I think it it was helpful to have a project lead. Many times we get into big projects, and it's uh, on the side of a desk of someone. So it's done a little by a little. I think we benefited from having a dedicated project lead to be able to navigate us through this process. And then remember, it's an estimate, subjects to change. So don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So well said, uh, Catherine. Thank you uh, so much for your time today. This has been an extremely informative conversation. We're uh, we're, we're very appreciative. We wish you a, a good rest of your day and, and, and do send us some pictures when you uh, get to visit Signpost uh, Forest. We look forward to hearing a, a, an update. Sounds good. And uh, <laughs> thank you very much for, for thinking of us here. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a great day. Uh, you too.